This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, the captain of the Detroit Red Wings faced the franchise top line center. Sticking around long-term, a little bit of news before the show started this afternoon. Dylan Larkin signs an eight-year, $8.7 million contract, CAAV, in Detroit to stick around. Uh, I like the deal. I like that Dylan Larkin's sticking around in Detroit. Uh, I think Bo Horvat set the market in a way with the eight times $8.5 million AAV deal with the New York Islanders. Makes sense that Dylan Larkin's making that much money. That's a deal we can talk about a little bit later in the show. Uh, welcome into Hockey Central 960. I'm Haley Salvi, and I'll be here with you for the next hour. And let me tell you, it is very easy to line up a radio show when so many things just keep happening. Got to stay on your toes. Can't really set anything in stone because lots of stuff is going on. Things are happening like the Dylan Larkin contract. Uh, yesterday we left everybody with the Luke Shen deal, among other Leafs trades. Since then, Patrick Kane to the Rangers was made official. That was last night. The Edmonton Oilers acquired Matthias Ekholm in a six-round pick in 2024 from Nashville in exchange for Tyson Berry, a first, a fourth, and a depth forward. Minnesota grabbed Gustav Nyquist for a fifth-rounder. And the big one from this morning, Jonathan Quick, was traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Vladislav Gavrikov and Jonas Corposalo. Columbus also receives a conditional first-round pick if L.A. makes the playoffs and a third-round pick. If L.A. does not make the playoffs, Columbus gets second-round picks in 2023 and 2024. So that's a little bit of the news roundup. I don't believe anything new has happened since we started the show, uh, but we do have a guest on the line. It's Sean Gentili from The Athletic. He grades all of the trades here at the athletic he's had a ton of them so let's bring him in now we're going to talk about some more of these deals sean what's up how much have you done before the deadlines even uh we're not even at deadline day and i feel like you've you've been working overtime here nobody wants to talk about jacob chikrin anymore uh we might have to talk about jacob chikrin some more i think um Seems like there's some movement there. I, th- I think, you know, going to be cruising for an answer on him one way or another, it feels like, over over the next couple of days. So your read on what's happening there with Chikrin? Let's maybe start there, Sean. I think we're seeing teams like the Capitals and the Blue Jackets who are who've been linked with Chikrin on and off for the last however many weeks. doesn't take uh, a, mag- or a, a genius or a mind reader to see that those teams continue to add pieces and continue to add ammo if, if that's something that they that they want to go out and do. And uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins certainly seem like a late comer to the party there as well. So we're going to have an answer one way or the other. I guess no answer is still an answer. And then we can just <laughs> maybe he doesn't move and we just talk about Jacob Jacob Checker and trade uh, destinations in the summer and at next next year's trade <laughs> deadline or whatever. But it does seem like it does seem like there's some stuff shaking loose there. So we'll see. Okay. So one of the trades that you wrote about 
this morning. So rumors of the deal came late last night. It was uh, probably 10.30 p.m. Uh, around midnight your time, Sean, Eastern time. Uh, was the deal involving Jonathan Quick to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Gavrikov and Corpusalo? You wrote this morning uh, about what that deal says about the NHL trade deadline. I know when I saw that, I know that this is a business and we know that to be true. Guys get traded. You know, it's what's the old kind of corny saying like Wayne Gretzky got traded once. Anyone's on the board. You know, anyone can be on the trade block. It just seemed a little bit strange to me that the LA Kings are going to be moving out Jonathan Quick in this way. It, it seems like he wasn't happy about it. Maybe he didn't even know that this was coming. Uh, you know, we look obviously on the same day, Patrick Kane gets traded from Chicago, but he allowed that to happen. And he went to the destination mm-hmm. he wanted to send Jonathan Quick out to Columbus with little to no notice, and now potentially the Blue Jackets might be shopping him as well, it just seems like a really weird way to treat someone that's been, you know, a legend in that organization. Yeah, and it's weird that this is the move that Rob Blake chose to make, right? Like, he's built a reputation over the last couple years being pretty conservative when it comes to trades. Like, yes, he went out and got Kevin Fiala, he signed – to know on the market and whatever, but generally this is a guy who has, you know, over the last few years, one of the better prospect halls in the league, right? Everyone's heard about Brant Clark and Quentin Byfield and all these guys that, you know, they have that, you know, are either going <laughs> to, it's time to, for them to either contribute or, or get parlayed into, into other stuff you'd imagine, but he hasn't, he hasn't been quick to make those moves. He's holding on to those guys. And I think there's been a little bit of a, um, you know, that's the reputation that, that that he's built, whether it's publicly or whatever. He's a guy who's not, you know, necessarily quick to action. So it's funny to see that, you know, when he does actually pull the trigger and when he does make the quote-unquote big move in sending out Jonathan Quick, you know, basically pulling the rug out under him and sending him to, to the worst team in the league. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. And Blake spoke today and he, you know, came close to apologizing and said he wasn't on the trip. So he had to call quick after the game and blah, blah. Like, like there's like some extenuating circumstances there for why it went down the way it did. But man, if you're someone who cares about the Kings and you're someone who watched that team for the last, you know, 15 years and, and seen Jonathan quick go, you know, really play out his entire career, you know, in that uniform at tough, tough pill to swallow for sure. There was a, I assume it was a joke in the text line about how Daryl Sutter might be up in Brad Tree Living's office today trying to convince him, like, this, is, let's go and get Jonathan Quick in Calgary. Yeah, that's I think we've got another need. test they, going they through, so it. we're going to give that a second. I don't know if Sean can hear us. Oh, no, I'm good. Okay. Jonathan Quick to Calgary. Thoughts? <laughs> uh... Yeah, I think that's definitely what the Flames need is another insanely overpaid goalie who's, you know, has who who looks like his best years are behind him. Yeah, just add more. Why not? Oh. <laughs> well, thanks for that, Sean. I think you made everyone feel better. <laughs> I do what I can. So, one of the interesting parts about the Kings and this deal that you already mentioned is it just seems surprising 
that that is what they decided to use their assets on. Like they, they are moving out a conditional first round pick for this. Um, we know that the Kings probably needed to address the goaltending position. They needed to shore that up. Corpus Allo is not exactly a known commodity. Um, so it, it's just a little bit tricky for me to, yeah. to think that this was the best possible deal for the Kings and, also, we hear so much this time of year, and I think it is kind of an overblown thing. Um, you know, is this idea of mixing up or messing up team chemistry? I just wonder what moving Jonathan Quick out uh, in this context could do for, for the Kings. Definitely. So Andre Kopitar speak after that game last night, and he looked like his dog just died, right? Like, like he, he, looked, he looked miserable. So you, got, you have to you know, at least consider that. Um, but yeah, I, you know, as far as what they got back, it's fine. Corpus Allo is what he is. He's having the best season of his career after being, you know, generally terrible for the last five years, but they needed an option behind Phoenix Copley. That says how far, like, it's worth noting that Jonathan Quick has been awful this year. He's an 876 save percentage. I think three out of his last five years have been sub 200, have been, have been sub 900 in that area. So, I mean, he's on, he's on the downswing, like based solely on, on ice stuff. I mean, you, you can argue that they went out and got better, you know, at the goalie position and you wouldn't be wrong. As far as Gavrikov's concerned, I mean, you know, he is what he is. He's one of those guys. He's the Ben Sherratt of 2023 where he's a dude that all of a sudden gets talked up as having first round value. And everyone's like, are we sure? Are we sure that this guy, that this guy is worth that much? And he, and he wasn't, but when you package him together with, you know, with uh, with Corpusalo, those are two needs that the Kings had, and you know, it, it makes sense. the 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 West is open. Like, if you divorce the quick stuff from it, the West is open, and this is a team that's, you know, going for it to some extent. And also, for for the record, clearly, 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 this is a response to them not being able to get the deal across the finish line with Chikrin and maybe Vamelka, who who's a who's a Coyotes goaltender. This seems like Plan B for right. them, and it's and, and it's fine. But whatever. <laughs> Moving on from the Kings, let's look a bit at the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, they make the deal to get Matthias Ekholm. Uh, the loss of Tyson Berry, though, say what you want about how he's played over the last couple of years. It does leave a hole on the Oilers, which might actually hint that Ken Holland isn't done yet. And there are some big name defenders and some depth guys left on the board. There's, you know, John Klingberg, who is going to be added to the list of players held out for trade-related reasons tonight. The Anaheim Ducks announced that today. Um, Chikrin's still out there. And again, a number of depth guys left. Do you think the Oilers could be poking around in some of this? Do you really want to go into a postseason with Cody TC and Evan Bouchard as your top right shot D? Because that's like what, that's what the Oilers are looking at right now. I mean, if there's a way for them to go get something, sure, it makes sense. But it's a, it, it's also they're also looking for you know a top four right shot D, which are the most in demand commodities in the league year after year after year for a reason. But yeah, they definitely went out and got better. Barry is you know he's a great teammate. He's part of that power play, which we all know that's how they that's how they eat for the most part. So there is there's there's a loss there. But man, Ekholm. You know, solely again from an on-ice standpoint, he's exactly what they needed. Dude, dude, dude big, does, does dirty work, great on puck retrievals, can do some work with the, with the, with getting the break started there, and he's 
a legitimately good defensive defenseman too. So yeah, there's a hole that opened up, but man, that's a that's a big that's a big get for them for a reason. What's one of the best trades that you've graded thus far? Uh, there's been a ton of them. Uh, you, Shayna, Dom, Corey Pronman, Eric Tehachik, you guys all kind of split them up. Everyone grades different trades. There's been a ton of them in the last couple days. The deadline's still not until Friday. What is the biggest and best grade that you have handed out to this point heading into deadline day? We're talking outside of Timo Meyer because I gave the Devils an A plus <laughs> for it. That's the first A plus I've ever given out in my long and illustrious oh. uh, trade grade careers. I okay. love what the Caps are doing. I love it. I love that they went out and got uh, Rasmus Sandin. I think you know. I love that they signed Nick Nick Jensen. I love that they got a first in a, in a second and a third for Orlov and Hathaway. This is a rebuild that's done right. You know, they're, they're, they added a legitimate top four piece, you know, in, in Sandine. They locked up one of their own guys, and now they have assets in the queue to go make a note. By the way, they, all, they also traded Lars Eller for a second-round pick. Like, God bless Lars yeah. Eller, right? He's like the prototypical bottom six center on a really good team. Caps do not win a cup without him, but he's 33, he's banged up, point production's falling off a cliff, and they got a second-round pick for him from the Colorado Avalanche. So you look at all those assets, you look at what they're trying to do, which is, you know, stay good and get better quickly, you know, for the last couple of years of Alex Ovechkin here, man. I, I, I love what they've done because I, I don't think they're finished yet. How do you look at the Penguins on the other side of that token? They're not quite in the we-need-to-take-a-step-back phase because obviously they commit uh, a bunch of term and money to guys like Brian Rust and Chris Letang of Genny Malkin. We all saw that saga happen this summer, but they're in the middle of a wild-card race. They're pretty capped out. I mean, they did get a nice assist from the St. Louis Blues who claimed Kasperi Kapanen, but Ron Hextall's in a difficult spot right now. And when you look at the way that the Washington Capitals are getting themselves out of a difficult position, and then you look at a rival in Pittsburgh, and, and these two things are not the same because I just don't think the what the Washington Capitals are doing to make their situation better, I don't think it's available to Pittsburgh because of what Ron Hextall himself kind of built. Absolutely. The Caps had 11 pending UFAs coming into trade season here. 11. And there were guys that clearly other teams were going to want. You have Dmitry Orlov, who's like a no-doubt uh, top four at minimum, top pair on, on some other teams, right? That, that's a guy that gets a first and a third-round pick. And look what happened. Garnet Hathaway, like prototypical new-age fourth-line banger who can score goals and hit people. Of course, the Bruins wanted him. You know, on and on. We, we already talked about Eller. They had assets that other teams wanted, and the Penguins don't. Every contract on Pittsburgh is either a player they can't afford to trade, whether that's Crosby or Malkin or Jake Gensel or Brian Russ or whoever, or it's an asset that, you're, that, that nobody would want, whether that's because of contract or performance or, or whatever. There is a severe lack of tradable assets in that organization, and I think that's what we're seeing over, you know, what we've seen over the last couple of days, whether it's them making the run at Chikrin, whether, like, whatever ends up happening there, a deal's going to be tough because they're short on cap and they're short on stuff that, that, that other teams want. And Hextall, given his choice, wouldn't move out his first-round picks. He, he said it openly. So you throw all that in the mix, you know, just with a general lack of tradable commodities. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a tough situation. And, and, and coming out of this, 
you know, a- after this is all said and done, there's a real chance that the Capitals for 2024 are going to be looking better than the Penguins, which is a, which would have been shocking, I think, for a lot of people even a couple weeks ago. So with the Penguins, they waive Brock McGinn yesterday. He clears waivers. As mentioned, Kasperi Kapanen gets picked up on waivers, so they get a little bit of wiggle room with Kapanen mm-hmm. off the books. There's been some rumors, lots of chatter yesterday. Uh, our colleague Shana Goldman uh, was one of them kind of reporting that there might be something going on between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Brock Besser seems to be one of the big trade chips that's left with Vancouver. Also, JT Miller, who I believe owns a home in the Pittsburgh area, the greater Pittsburgh area, what Cranberry, mm-hmm. I don't want to like tell people where this man lives here That's but right. yeah do you want seems to, like wait, people yeah, are starting can, to put some things together do you want me to get the <laughs> yeah, address and, and read it read it read no. it over the on, on the radio for you I, I can do that i don't think that would be appropriate um, okay well we'll see maybe later um <laughs> i think i think they're all in on chicken right now i i think if, if i had if okay. this is educated educated guess i think they're more interested in in uh in, in acquiring chicken and that that's that's what's you know, got a lot of their attention and a lot of their energy. Um, and I think if that doesn't work out, then who knows what happens, right? I, I think there have been discussions there. certainly seems that way. Uh, but if it comes down to that, and if we're talking about, you know, the Penguins and the Canucks trying to hook up or something surprising here, I think I think Miller uh, would be the one to watch versus versus Besser. Okay. We got a note in the text line. Can we trade the emergency alert? I've gotten ten of them so far. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I think I, this, I think we would I, do I don't that. Know who this is, I don't know who this is worse for, honestly. Like, I feel bad for the listeners to have to go through this, but I mean, we've had some. Oh, nobody's <laughs> listening. They turned off the radio. <laughs> Love it. Okay, fine. We're just I'm riffing like to ourselves. Break, I'm like almost breaking news here, and it's it, it's going it's going for not because of the emergency <laughs> system. Great. Yeah, ten emergency alerts for a first round pick. Who says no? That's from Ken. <laughs> Ron Hextall does actually. He's not giving those things yeah. up for anybody, baby. Let us know in the text line nine sixty nine sixty if you can hear us. <laughs> All right. So it looks like speak of the devil just on cue here. According to Frank Saravalli, he's hearing that the Vegas Golden Knights are well down the track on trade talk to acquire Jonathan Quick from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm. There are salary cap obstacles that could prevent it from getting across the finish line. They are down. The That makes sense because the Golden Knights are down to what? Their fourth string goalie right now? Yep. And the, and the idea of them trading for Quick and possibly having the, you know, look, I Jonathan Quick's pretty close to being washed up, but if there were ever a scenario where he comes back for the revenge, you know, the the revenge series mm-hmm. is going to be in the Pacific Division playoffs, right? Kings versus mm-hmm. Golden Knights in the second round or whatever, whatever ends up happening there with Jonathan Quick forced into action. Good Lord. I'll take and it. And we saw the way that he played last year in the playoffs. Like he almost, like he was great against Edmonton. As, as an American born in 1986, just just like Jonathan Quick, that that warmed my heart. Right, like we're like we're, we're we're the same age. I feel like I've, you know, watched him play a ton of hockey and covered a lot of it too. Like the Western Conference Finals and some of those Cup Finals he was in 
with the king. So I got a soft spot for that dude. So yeah, let's uh, let's let, let's make it happen again. Playoff Jonathan Quick has a has a couple has a couple left in the chamber, maybe. All right. So there's a couple of names left on the board. There's some stuff to go down surely on Friday afternoon uh, on the deadline. We've already talked Chikrin. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk seems to be kind of rocketing up the trade board because of how many guys have been moved off of it. I think one player that I've kind of circled is Tyler Bertuzzi at the moment. So the Detroit Red Wings, they've lost their last two games to the Ottawa Senators. So the Sens have now leapfrogged Detroit in the wildcard race. They are now five points back of the Penguins for the second wildcard spot. If they lose another one by Friday, do you think Tyler Bertuzzi is somebody who should be on the board? We heard last week that they were going to go as is. Like, you know, we're not going to be moving anyone off our roster. This is our group. However, things have changed since then. They're now sixth in the wildcard. And again, five points back Tyler Bertuzzi is an unrestricted free agent and you have to imagine that there's some teams who might be interested in him yeah I mean some of the insiders capital A or kept capital I insiders oh no I forgot how to <laughs> what are you gonna do those are the breaks capital I insiders <laughs> they've said in the last 24 hours like Tyler Bertuzzi might be back in play and that makes sense it makes sense for where they're for what the what's happened to the wings over the last couple of days uh, it makes sense for what has gone on in the Atlantic Division and the East overall where, you know, look, Steve Eiserman is a lot of things. He's certainly a rational dude. He makes cold, <laughs> cold-hearted decisions. And if he thinks his team is going to make it to the playoffs just to, just to get stomped by the Bruins or whatever, like it's, it's hard to imagine him falling through with that to the detriment of the long-term plan. So I don't think it's a coincidence that we've seen Bertuzzi pop up, pop back up on on the radars here. And I think the other interesting thing, and Haley, you alluded to this at the start of the segment, we got Dylan Larkin signing long term, right? Those are the two big pieces. Those are the two big pending UFAs. You know, Larkin get, Larkin gets done. Bertuzzi still very notably not signed for next year. I think there's, I think there's a reason that people are reading into the tea leaves. Absolutely. All right. Um, final thing here, Sean, I want to talk about the Calgary Flames a little bit. There's not a whole lot we can say about this team in terms of what they're going to do with the deadline, uh, because they're on the outside looking in for the playoffs right now. They've, they kind of are what they've shown us to be this season. Um, you know, Dan Vladar gets the hook in the first intermission yesterday. He lets in two goals, including, including one on the first shot against. That's happened several times this year for Vladar and Markstrom. They wildly outshoot the Bruins last night, still losing overtime. Five points out of a playoff spot, one game before the deadline. This is what interests me about this team right now. Nashville? actually has a better points percentage than the Flames. And they are selling off everything they can. They are doing what many people thought they would not. Tanner Janot gets a haul, uh, moving out at home. Like, they are selling who they can. Do you think the Flames would be willing to do the same thing? 
And if and whether I mean, or not they are willing to, should they be doing the same thing? Like, I think you have to look at the strategic selling option if you are the Calgary Flames. They have multiple players who have just maybe one year left on their deals, players who could be of interest to others at the deadline. I'm not suggesting that they need to sell someone like Tyler Toffoli, but he's on pace for 34 goals this season. He has one more year left on his contract. Teams are looking for scoring heading into the playoffs. I think, Mm -hmm. I wonder what they could get for someone like Toffoli. I know Elliot Friedman brought up the Carolina Hurricanes on the Jeff Merrick show yesterday. They're a team familiar with dealing with the Flames, and they are certainly lurking in the shadows. They've got $7 million in deadline space to use and no Max Pacioretty. I just, I kind of wonder, like, are the Flames going to be a bit of a, a surprise at the deadline in terms of maybe they move some guys out that, that have one year left. They should be. Like, look at how things have gone, right? Like, I, I, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Like, you need to decide not just what they want to be for the rest of the year, but what the plan is for, for the next couple, right? And if, if they sincerely think that this team has constituted, forget, forget this postseason. Like, next year, what are they going to do? Do, do they think this is going to work? And a guy like Toffoli, like you got Elias Lindholm coming up for a contract. There's a lot of pieces kind of in flux on that roster yeah. uh, for the next couple of years where, you know, it's time for some tough, tough questions. It's easy for me to say, like, yeah, just trade everybody. Trade Toffoli. Make mm-hmm. some calls about Lindholm. Can you imagine what, what you would get on, on the open market right now? But, you know, thinking that in front, from my chair and actually, you know, putting it in action if you're Brad for living are two very, very different things. So yeah, they're mm-hmm. they're they're a fascinating team and they're gonna continue to be such. But man, that's a that's a tough spot to be in. I think what's interesting and we had Jason Bukla on the show yesterday and he was saying, you know, if you could move out one of those guys for another young Jacob Peltier type player, you should do it. But I think the complicating factor with that is is the flames have committed to this new window of contention with an aging core. So as a younger player who's maybe not quite top line ready, even though I think Jacob Peltier's look excellent in the top six, I'm not suggesting that he's not ready, but I think the concern with moving out guys for younger assets is they don't necessarily fit your window. Like, because you have committed to Jonathan Huberto and Nazem Kadri. So they're in a bit of the, uh, a tough spot, I would say, if you're the general manager of the Calgary Flames right now. The Washington Capitals are pulling it off. We already talked about it. You know, it's yeah, possible you're right. to do this. There's a blueprint and here. And they're doing it the right way. Maybe you yeah. maybe you don't get the reload pieces initially, but you can get picks and then turn them into relevant guys. Caps just did it. They're probably going to do it again. They're, they're, they're certainly going to try. That's a good point. I... Uh... I hate to say this because I know Flames fans really like Elias Lindholm and, and he's been great. I can't shake the feeling that if I'm the GM of the Carolina Hurricanes and I know how much Rod Brindamore loves Elias Lindholm, I just mm-hmm. I can't shake the feeling that there's there's a phone call <laughs> coming from Carolina. And this is me just riffing. I don't know this to be true, but I have spoken to Rod Brindamore multiple times about how much he loves Elias Lindholm. And again, they have a ton of cap space. So I can't stop thinking about it personally. Keeps me up at night. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the player has agency too. we got to remember that. Like Elias Lindholm, 
is going to need a new contract soon. And maybe, maybe the Flames want to sign him. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm certain they would because he makes all the sense in the world. But sometimes guys want to move. And I don't, I don't know if that's in play with Lindholm, but, but, but God knows we've seen it in the past where, where sometimes a player just wants a chance to change of scenery. So you you, you got to account for that. and you got to ask tough questions, you know, as, as we sit here a couple of days out from the big day. Mm-hmm. And again, that we are not <laughs> speaking as insiders here. This is our educated speculation. No. No. Yeah. But thanks for all this, Sean, and your analysis on the trades that have already happened. Because as mentioned, it's been a pretty busy pre-deadline week, and I'm just glad yeah. that neither of us have, you know, eight hours of television or radio to do on deadline day. What's most important is that these emergency alerts are only alerts and it it seems like that's the case and that's really all that matters so good luck to everybody up there okay thanks sean that was very nice there he goes sean gentilly senior national writer at the athletic you can catch him on the athletic hockey show uh he goes on helford and bruff a lot so if if you're a vancouver fan he's always kind of hanging out with those guys and then obviously working the trade grade circuit during deadline day We are going to head to a quick break. But first, just a reminder, uh, that conversation was brought to you by the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. The Guest Hotline is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. You can dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take her to delivery. Also available at 403-248-3344. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Corey Lavalette from Carolina. He works for The Athletic. He also writes for the North State Journal. Maybe ask him a little bit about what the Carolina Hurricanes might be working on ahead of the trade deadline. That's coming up next on Hockey Central and Sports at 960 The Fan. You're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right. Welcome back to the program. This is one of the instances where selfishly I feel great. For my guest, I feel a little bit bad. So it looks like, according to some sources, Carolina is acquiring Shane Gostisbehere from the Arizona Coyotes. Where I come in, I feel very, I feel very great about this because we're about to be joined on the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline. By Corey Lavalette. He covers the Carolina Hurricanes. For my guest, though, I feel a little bad. Corey, we'll try to get you out of here quickly because there's some breaking news to write about, I'm sure. But uh, it's not official yet from the Carolina Hurricanes, so we've got a little bit of time. How's that sound? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, sure. I uh, I just saw that Pierre broke that news, and uh, I was like, well, of course, we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah, perfect. I was saying earlier in the show, this trade deadline has been so great for the laziness that I feel sometimes. I don't have to do a whole lot of prep work for the show because things just start happening once I go live. And that's, you know, really just feeding into my worst qualities, which is it's fine. <laughs> You'll talk about something. Well, that's what I'll, I'll do from now on is every time someone tweets at me, tweet about this player or that player, I'm just going to tell them to tweet at you, and then, you know, hopefully you're on yeah. the air and then something happens. 
exactly. There's some kind of karma going on here with that. But it, uh, this just in from Elliot Freeman a little bit more on Gosses Bear. Looks like Shane Gosses Bear to Carolina for a third round pick. Corey, I know this is putting you on the spot, so I do apologize in advance for this. But but let's get into this a little bit. What, do you like the fit here, uh, Gosses Bear to the Canes? You know, before you came on, I was talking with Sean Gentilly, who was on the show, and and we just both feel like the Canes are a team that's probably lurking a bit. They haven't made that many big moves obviously they get yesi puliarvi and we can talk about that in a little bit um but here here's another one shane goss bear for a third round pick uh what do you think in this these early stages yeah so i mean i think the the big thing here is they had they had a choice to make it was do you go add a physical guy for your third pair or do you add uh a guy who can who can man a power play unit and obviously they ended up going with the latter decision uh, Brady Shea has been, you know, was on the top unit um, until practice the other day ahead of Brent Burns, and then they they reshuffled things the other day and moved Shea down to the to the second unit, and now all of a sudden you add Shane Gostas Bear, and I think it's pretty clear that he'll, you know, if he's in the lineup, he'll pop into that spot as a guy who can who can facilitate things on the second power play. So that that was the, the decision they had to make. If there was you know, they have Calvin DeHaan, who's a defensive-minded guy. They love Jalen Chatfield. I don't think there's any way he's coming out of the lineup. Uh, so I was I was curious to see which way they would go because I felt like with the way Chatfield played on the uh, on his offside when Jacob Slavin was out for a handful of games, they could have gone with a right-handed guy if they needed to on the third pair. But by adding another lefty and Gossett's pair, you keep your, your righty-lefty thing going on the third pairing if, if he's in the lineup and – uh, all of a sudden, you know, your seventh guy is either Gostas Fair or Calvin DeHaan, and, and Dylan Codling gets bumped back in the rotation a bit. So, uh, smart move, and again, you know, bargain purchasing by the by the Hurricanes. Everyone else is is spilling assets, and the Hurricanes, you know, want to have a window that's bigger than this year, so they haven't been willing to to dump a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Goss's Bear comes with a $4.5 million cap hit. The Carolina Hurricanes with the LTIR space have a uh, around $7.1 million in deadline cap space. So they'll still have some some room to work um, after the Goss's Bear deal. And we don't yet know if there's any salary retention involved. Um, maybe there's not since it hasn't been reported yet, but we'll see once the official deal comes through from the Hurricanes and the Coyotes. Do you think this is a team that that has a little bit more to do? Like, do they have any other holes they might want to fill, uh, particularly when we're looking at the forward group and the fact that they're not getting Max Pacioretty back anytime soon? Yeah, I think there's probably two ways to look at this, which is one, they could go add another guy. They do have, you know, in adding Pugliarvi, they, you know, now they have 13 NHL forwards. They, you know, they were running with 12 for a while and been pretty fortunate to not have injuries and really their top call-up guy would be Jack Drury who who struggled who struggled a bit this year uh when when he was up with the team so you know nothing wrong with letting him marinate a little longer so they have 13 now you know if they want to add another one they could there's also you know the future of Andre Kasha kicking around out there and uh the team sent him home uh he was struggling with you know post-concussion issues that have been a problem his whole career, obviously. Um, and uh, Don Waddell had told me they had hoped to bring him back early in March. So we'll see um, if he comes back and is back in the room. And 
um, you know, that's an option too if he's healthy. Now, that's a big if. I think we can both, uh, you know, we can both agree. Um, so right. there's that. And then they, you know, they like you said, they still have the cap space. They still have more than, you know, three million dollars to play with here. So if they want to add another depth guy, they can. It kind of, I guess, it takes. It probably takes any bigger names off the table because I don't think you know they would necessarily want to, um, you know give up too many assets to have another team retain stuff, but you never know with this group. They're always, they're always crafty and, and you never really know what they're going to do. There's one thing that I've learned in my time covering this league is that if there's a player who's potentially on the board, the Carolina hurricanes have either been involved are involved, or at least at the very least made a phone call. It seems like they're always in and around big names off the board names, things you probably didn't even see coming. Uh, they're always kind of in and around it this time of year and in the summer. Yeah, for sure. I think that's Tom Dundon's, you know, big thing is he, he doesn't want to go to his guys and say, all right, this trade just happened. You know, what did we offer for it? And have everyone look at him with blank stares. He wants, you know, he wants to at least be involved in everything. It doesn't hurt to have, you know, feelers out on anybody around the league. You know, we know they went after Matthew Kachuk pretty hard. That didn't yeah. work out. Uh, you know, they were in the Timo Meyer thing. That didn't work out. But they, they want to be involved. They, you know, they, that's, that's why these kind of out of left field uh, acquisitions have happened in the past. You know, a few trade deadlines ago, out of nowhere, they added Vincent Trocek in one deal and added Brady Shea in another. And, you know, that's kind of their DNA is trades like that and then guys with terms. So obviously the, the Gostas Fair deal is a, is a rental, but it's, it's not an expensive rental. It kind of falls into similarly what they did last year with, with Max Domi and, and, you know, not overspending for a, for a guy that they think can help them. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone off the board or anyone with term that comes to mind for you, Corey? Like when you're mapping out, hmm, what could come out of left field from these guys? Is there anything that comes to mind for you right away? Like do you have an intrusive thought on something that the Carolina Hurricanes could be doing? I just shared on the show that I can't stop thinking that the Canes and, and the Flames are could be talking about things. That is just me speaking out of nowhere, and there's probably a bias because I am on Calgary Radio, and I'm thinking from a Flames lens. But it, I'm curious to hear from your side of things, Corey. Is there a team or a player that comes to mind when you're thinking, what could this team be up to? Well, I mean, I think we're on the same wavelength. When I, you know, I first had to kind of do one of the – you know, trade board situations for the athletics with the Hurricanes, I said, well, what if what if Calgary falls out of the race? What if they stumble? What if Elias Lindholm is available? Um, you know, oh, no. I, I, think every, I think everyone knows that Rod Brendamore loves the guy. You know, there, it wasn't, there was nothing personal about that Dougie Hamilton trade. It was, you know, a situation where, you know, the salaries maybe didn't line up at the time. And in hindsight, you know, Calgary got its money's worth out of Elias Lindholm, but uh, you know, Rod has always said every time we talk about him, he's like, we knew what a good player he was. You know, it, there was no doubt about that. It just, you know, circumstances led to his trade. And uh, I'm sure, you know, a situation like that, he loves having guys who understand what he wants to do. And Elias Lindholm could step in here and do that. Now, that's a shoot for the moon situation. Um, but, you know, something that is worth thinking about. And then the other one that 
I've kind of been screaming to the heavens for a little while, but I think the other team is a little too stubborn about being smart with their rebuild is going after Travis Konechny in Philadelphia. Uh, to me, that mm. that's a perfect fit for the Hurricanes with how tenacious he is, how, uh, you know, how creative he is, how he can score and, you know, not the biggest guy in the world, but has term left on his deal. And by the time his, his contract is up, you know, the Flyers, maybe they're back in contention, but I, it doesn't feel like they're going to, really have any chance to do much of anything with him if, if I feel like if they were really committed to the rebuild which I know it's it's hard to do in Philly uh that would be one of the guys they'd be they'd be shopping around and I think Carolina would sniff around it if if that was the case Konechny seems like a guy that a lot of people put on their trade boards or you know, the here's my my shopping list or my wish list, and it really doesn't seem like the Philadelphia Flyers are open to moving this guy. Because I've talked about him before in Calgary. I think I've talked about, like, you know, the Flames should try to kick tires on Konechny. It doesn't really seem like the Flyers are interested in entertaining that. Uh, news outside of Carolina, Corey. Sorry, I just want to get this out here uh, for any listeners. The Detroit Red Wings have just acquired a first-round pick and a second-round pick in the 2023 NHL entry draft from the Vancouver Canucks. Get this. In exchange for Philip Roenick in a 2023 fourth-round pick. Moving out Roenick is... Uh, is very interesting to me. Uh, we can always count on Steve Eiserman to do something that we didn't really see coming uh, this time of year, for sure. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty jaw dropping one for um, you know what they're trying oh, yeah. to do there, and and it makes me wonder, you know, is Tyler Bertuzzi back on the table at a reasonable price? You know, I know that he yeah. was on the table and then he was off, and now he was back on, but the asking price was a first round pick and. Uh, he's another guy I've thought about in Carolina just because, you know, Rod Brindamore has wanted a little more tenaciousness, a little, a little more nasty snarl, uh, up front, I think. And they, you know, they made a play for Kachuk, like we talked about. They, they thought they had Mason Marchment signed this off season and that fell apart and he ended up going to Dallas. Uh, you know, they went after Delorier at the deadline last year and, and weren't able to get that done. So a guy like Bertuzzi, who not only brings uh, a little bit of an agitation level, but also, you know, can score was the guy that, that I wondered about. And with the, you know, with the cap space they have, that's something they could conceivably still do. Uh, but the sticking point, I think, is is the idea of giving up a ton of assets for him. And the fact that Bertuzzi is an unrestricted free agent, you would almost think that the Hurricanes would want to have a deal in the drawer if they were going to give up significant assets to bring him in. You would almost certainly have to get him locked down, right? Because they don't want that high-cost rental. Right, yeah. And like I mentioned with the Max Domi deal last year, he was obviously a UFA, and they asked about him early. Well, maybe not early, but, you know, it, that deal came down to the very last minute at the deadline last year. But they had inquired about him, and the price was too high. And the Hurricanes waited him out and got him for much less than, you know, what the initial asking price was. So if something like that were to happen, then I think, you know, they would entertain a rental of a guy like Bertuzzi. But uh, I think that's a guy that will be coveted, especially the way he's played the last few games when I've watched him with Detroit. Looks like he's kind of shaken off his injury stuff. So I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say they wouldn't do a rental but not at the cost of a of a first round pick well the red wings have one more game before friday's deadline they are currently five points back of the second wild card spot the pittsburgh penguins are in that spot right now new york islanders in the top spot 
Uh, they had a couple big losses to the Ottawa Senators. So as the Red Wings kind of drop off a little bit, you do start to wonder about the availability of someone like Tyler Bertuzzi. Sorry for all the random ones thrown at you here, Corey. This has kind of been, this is why I said I don't really need to prep that much. I prepped a bunch of questions, kind of threw them out the window because Shane Costas Bear gets acquired by the Carolina Hurricanes. But I appreciate you jumping on some of the news with me and coming on the show, Corey. Yeah, always happy to. Thanks for having me, Haley. Thank you. There goes uh, our guest on the Atlas Pizza guest hotline, Corey Lavalette. He covers the Carolina Hurricanes. He's a contributor at The Athletic and for the North State Journal in North Carolina. Now, I just want to remind everyone, all of that great trade deadline talk from Sean, from Corey, is brought to you by Tuxedo Source for Sports. Will the Flames be buyers or sellers at the deadline? Sports at 960 is Calgary's trusted source for Flames. Breaking news, and while it may be trade deadline season, it's still time to gear up for another great ball season. Southern Alberta's best selection of bats, gloves, and everything you need to be at the top of your game is at Tuxedo Source for Sports at 2520 Center Street, North, And that's all the time we have for today on Hockey Central. We'll be back tomorrow with, I'm sure, lots more trade deadline talk to come. Deadline day is Friday, so uh, we're getting close here. And there's still players on the board somehow. All these trades are going down. Uh, we're going to break it all down tomorrow on Hockey Central on Sports at 960 The Fan.